Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. I hope you're having a good week. I know I certainly am. And today, all I can say about our interview is that getting this one was a goal of mine for quite some time. Before I reveal who it is, though by the title you probably know who it is, if you're new to listening to this podcast, first off, welcome to this community. This is a show all about how some of the most innovative and interesting brands in the world are becoming more authentic specifically through mobilizing their masses and taking those genuine experiences and opinions of their consumers and turning it out back into their own communities to enhance the authentic influence that they wield. And today, I'm on with somebody in the sports world, specifically the NHL. I have their chief marketing officer, Heidi Browning, with me, and we talk all about what players are like on and off the ice, as well as some of the newest ways that fans can be interacting with the sport. They are doing a lot digitally with personalization and capturing data, all that good stuff. They're really forward thinking, and I really appreciate that out of a sports brand. Of course, a lot of time when you think about innovating or getting smarter within a sport, it's typically about analytics or about how to get better on the field of play. But the NHL is doing a lot on both sides, resulting in a much better experience for both you and me. The details of that, I'll leave Heidi to tell you about, but of course I'll prompt them with the questions in this interview. And so, without further ado, let's get to that interview. Sit back, relax, take off those skates, and listen in to the NHL's Heidi Browning. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I've got somebody from a brand that a lot of you, a sport that a lot of you, are very, very passionate about, especially this time of year. It's the NHL, of course, and I'm on with Heidi Browning. Heidi, thanks so much for joining the show today. How you doing? Good morning. Thank you for having me on. It's going to be a fun day. I hope so. And going to be a fun season. I have to say as an icebreaker here, not to make a pun, but I am wearing a jersey of a team that I do not normally support, but I'm up here in the Pittsburgh area while we're recording this, and there just happens to be a jersey from the Winter Classic from 2011 up in Pittsburgh, so I had to throw that on. Even though the Penguins are not my first team, being from the D.C., Baltimore area, the Caps are mine. Been a pretty exciting time for us, but I know for you, the Winter Classic is something that is coming up and going to be an outdoor venue as you've had over the last few years And I know you're gearing up for that. So first, I'll ask, how's the prep going? You all ready for it? Oh, the prep is going fantastic. For those of you who don't know, we uh, do an outdoor game on New Year's Day every year, and we do them in unusual places. So we transform non-traditional hockey or or non-traditional sports arenas into outdoor hockey rinks. So this year, we're transforming the Cotton Bowl in Dallas into an outdoor hockey rink, which takes an incredible amount of work, uh, but we're really excited. The Nashville Predators are coming to take on the Dallas Stars, uh, and it should be an exciting game. In addition to the outdoor game, we have all kinds of fun fan activities, including the State Fair. So be sure to tune in or drop by because it's going to be a great event. Well, I'm sure it will be, and super excited to hear and to learn more about all the ways that fans can engage. Because I'll start with this. I mentioned at the very top of the interview that these fans are passionate, and they want to be engaging in any way they can. Now, I have not been an NHL fan since childhood. I sort of adopted it. I'm from Baltimore, and we didn't have a strict team, but DC, of course, as I said before, the Caps were ours. And today... 
Obviously, the Caps are doing very, very well. But across the league, it's becoming very, very competitively even if I have my statistics right. And that must mean that you have uh, more dynamic fandoms than ever and more intense fandoms than ever because the line is so very thin. But I'm curious from you, what's new this season? What can folks look forward to? What can they engage with that they haven't quite been able to do before? Oh, there's so many exciting things happening at the NHL. First of all, our game has never been healthier. We have this incredible competitive balance. Uh, We have the most minutes of live action per game, meaning fewer stoppages, more game action, more goal scoring, and an incredible crew of young talent who are focused on speed and skill and are really redefining the game of hockey as we know it. Uh, This health of our game and the exciting nature of it is showing up in our ratings, which are up, and in our fan engagement metrics, which are also up. Um, But in addition to that, um, we are growing our game by expanding it to uh, both younger fans as well as casual fans uh, through a lot of different avenues. Um, We know from talking with our young fans that sports equals culture. And so our mission to tie hockey into pop culture and pop culture into hockey is being expressed through all kinds of new content partnerships that we have out there. We know that our fans admire the athletic of our athletes, but want to know them off ice. And so we're trying to create new ways to uh, take off the visors uh, of our players, show their faces and showcase their personalities both on and off the ice. And then we also know that young fans and casual fans um, may not be avid fans. And so they need uh, or seek a little education on rules, slang, history and strategy so they can have fun uh, and deep conversations with their friends who are avid fans. So we've got content around that to try to make the sport more accessible uh, to all types of fans and um, friends of hockey. And then lastly, uh, thinking about um, what are we doing from a platform perspective that's new, we have been really going deep on social media platforms um, for the past few years, evolving our voice and our content as we grow our channels across Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and now TikTok. Uh, And the reasons that we're spending so much time focusing on our content across these these channels is that we know this is where our young fans uh, are engaging and operating and, you know, expect uh, us to be. They expect to have one-to-one relationships with athletes on social media. They expect to have all the, you know, content that's personalized to them from the league at their fingertips. And so we've been working on different partnerships um, from a technology standpoint to make sure that we're delivering on this value proposition to our fans. So from a from a Snapchat perspective, um, we you know do all kinds of content there, but we've re- we're recently uh, developed a partnership with them where we're creating a highlight show specifically for Snapchat audiences. So the highlights are fun. They've got lots of um, emojis and and graphics around them to make them more digestible and appropriate for the Snapchat audiences. And these highlight shows are shown only on Snapchat, not on the other channels. 
Um, for Facebook, we've got a big partnership with them uh, that allows us to take advantage of all the things that they have in place, including the, you know, the, the video viewing, the group chats, their um, viewing parties. Uh, and most recently, we partnered uh, with a company called Game On and Disney to create a chat bot within Facebook Messenger. And this NHL bot is really cool because it puts our fans in control. Uh, it responds to natural language requests for specific news or scores uh, or game notifications or video highlights uh, or players or teams. Uh, and it goes right into uh, your Facebook Messenger, delivering the content that's been customized and personalized for you based on your natural language requests. So that's exciting. Uh, we've also got TikTok uh, on uh, our horizon. We actually started TikTok in China, uh, which is called Doyen there, and have been a little slower to adopt it here in uh, the States. Uh, but our channel uh, is now being programmed and it's growing like crazy. Uh, and this is a different type of contact, uh, content as well, uh, specifically created for TikTok. We're focusing on non-game moments that feature that human or humorous side of hockey. And then the last thing I want to talk about that's new for us is an innovation within NHL.TV called Gameflow. And this is a visualization that shows how momentum shifts between teams during the game. So this visualization takes place within our NHL.TV app. You can take a game that's live or a game that's archived and then add game flow to it. And it measures uh, shot pressure, which is uh, essentially adding up shots on goal, missed shots and block shots and graphs it for the duration of the game. And it shows the team performance side by side. So as you watch the visualization unfold along the timeline, you can actually click on a selected moment in time and view the video highlight or jump into that moment in the game. So it's a really, really cool, interactive, data-driven, technology-influenced way to engage with the game, which is what we know these younger audiences are looking for when they try to mash up uh, what they love about sports with what they love about data and technology. Speaking of no matter whether you are a fashion brand or a bank or a sports brand, personalization and, and, and getting data that is personal, that, that first party data, really important. A lot of people doing that through innovative content experiences. So it's good to know that you have the experiences uh, check uh, you know, on the box because there are so many different ways that people engage and you have to hit consumers where they are. And at least that's what I've heard over the, the last year of doing these interviews. And so I'm glad that Today, there are uh, more ways than ever to do so. I want to shift gears just a little bit because as you talk about bringing in new fans and engaging fans in a richer way, of course, I know that inclusivity is a huge value for, uh, for really anybody, most folks that I talk to today. So I'm curious going forward, what are some of the new markets or new demographics that you hope to reach in the future? And, and what are some of those initiatives, if they are indeed separate from these technical partnerships, and they may be the same, but what are some initiatives that you're taking to make those hopes of reaching new markets and new people a reality? 
So to start with, uh, our global growth is, and fan growth is really important. We have one of the most global composition of players, of athletes, of any sport out there. So it's really exciting to be able to not only have these global players playing in our sport, but also take our sport around the world. Uh, we've been doing games in Europe, our global series in Europe, and for uh, a few years now. And or sorry, we've been doing our global series in Europe for a couple seasons now. Uh, and we've played in Germany and Sweden and Prague and Finland. And we're continuing to, to bring these games to those countries. They sell out within minutes uh, because they're highly coveted um, experiences uh, in each of these different countries. In addition to bringing the games to the countries, we're also building our social media platforms, audiences, and content here. So we've got global growth in uh, Europe, but we also have been playing games in China. Well, we didn't play one this season. Uh, for two years prior, we brought global games to China, and that's been an incredible experience because it's essentially a new sport to China. And uh, it's an incredible opportunity for us to educate an entirely new and large population around the game and get them excited about the sport. We've been building our audiences on social media channels there on WeChat and Weibo for years and uh, will continue to do so as we gear up for our next games in China. And then the last part is not global growth, but it's expansion here in the in North America, and that's like we're gearing up for our new team in Seattle. Uh, and the puck's going to drop for them next season. Uh, they're continuing to build their organization uh, and build their new arena, so we're really excited for them to come to market. Um, but as you think about, you, you asked about this idea of inclusivity. Um, we're all demographics are important to us if we want to grow our sport. And we have an inclusivity platform called Hockey is for Everyone, where we shine a light on our mission to make our sport inclusive for all people regardless of race, gender, or sexual orientation. Uh, and we coordinate marketing initiatives across all 31 clubs to celebrate Black history, Hispanic heritage, International Women's Day, Pride Month, uh, just to name a few. Um, and so the other aspect of this is we're always looking to expand our audiences and find new ways to make hockey accessible to all. So we recognize that ice time and equipment can be expensive uh, and, and it's a barrier, quite frankly, for young uh, people to play our sport and get to know our sport. So we spend a lot of time and energy and resources on thinking how we give back, how we make our sport more accessible. So we have programs like Learn to Play, uh, which is where we teach kids in all uh, aspects, socioeconomic communities on how to play hockey, uh, whether it's floor hockey or providing them with equipment and ice time. Uh, and we also have a program called Future Goals, which is a STEM education. So it teaches you, uh, you know, so science, technology, engineering, and math through hockey principles. If you think about it, there's a lot around physics and chemistry uh, and, and geometry and math within hockey that is applicable to, uh, to uh, education. 
And so by combining the um, physical training with the educational training, we're trying to expose our sport uh, to many, many kids, whether they, you know, will become, you know, hockey players, uh, professional hockey players, or just uh, fans for life. We like to think about it as there are many paths to fandom. And we're really excited about uh, our latest innovation, which is we just implemented now, which is called HoopNet. And this is a, an, a technology that provides a combination of basketball and hockey uh, nets uh, with, to uh, urban uh, environments. So think about you know a, a playground in uh, an inner city in you know any name a city. Um, we this technology allows us to have one unit that can transform from a basketball net to a hockey net. Um, so this encourages our multi-sport participation, showing that, you know, you can cross train for sports and, and you know, get value from that uh, and inspiration from each of these sports. And it also provides new opportunities to engage kids in areas where ice infrastructure is challenging or doesn't exist. So it seems that not only are there more ways to digitally interact with the league than ever before, but there is something for everybody, no matter how old you are, no matter where you live, whether it be domestic or abroad, a swath of ways in which the NHL can be impactful on and off the ice. It's on that note that I got to ask you, and I can see where this is going a little bit, but I got to learn specifically, and as the namesake of the show, I have to do it, what authenticity means to the NHL and at the NHL. I hear humans over highlights a lot. And just in this conversation, we've talked about all the different ways that you can bring the game to them. And so overall, as an overarching vision, what does authenticity mean to the league in that context? So you talked about the humans over highlights, which is a really important um, piece to this, which is, you know, when you look across all of our social media platforms, all of our content engagement uh, through CRM, you see that one thing emerges, humans over highlights. It's those human moments that people engage with the most, they share the most, they like the most, they comment on the most. And these are the moments that we think are most relatable, whether you're a, an avid hockey fan or a casual friend, you know, when that mom sees her son's first goal or um, the little girl catches the puck over the wall. Both of these things um, are relatable uh, to everybody. Uh, and so that's a really important part of how we plan to grow our game. And I realize I'm biased here, but I really believe that hockey is one of, if not the most authentic sport out there today. And it goes back to our values. Our players play for the name on the front of their sweater, not on the, not on the back. It's a very team first sport uh, and no individual ever st stands out uh, above the team. Um, the sport's gritty and physical and fast on the ice, but then our, off, our athletes are so humble and kind when they're off the ice. They don't seek the spotlight, um, but they do always seek opportunities to give back to their communities. Uh, and this, you know, if you think about uh, the Stanley Cup last year, where you had the St. Louis Blues, who were in last place in January, who won the cup in June, and part of their inspiration was this young girl named Layla, who uh, has an autoimmune disease. And um, she was um, so sick 
but so inspiring to the team and was there for them, cheering them on throughout their entire journey to win the cup. And uh, they rewarded her in the end, obviously with an experience on the ice with them on the cup, but they also engraved her name in their Stanley Cup rings. And this to me is what is the um, epitome of the authenticity of our sport uh, and the selflessness of it. The guys, you know, thought who worked so hard to win the hardest um, trophy ever, the most prestigious trophy in all sports to win, and then they shared it with the one person who was their inspiration, who was Layla. Our opportunity uh, as marketers uh, is to really showcase this side of our players, the lives, the wives, the, you know, the kids, the puppies, the personalities, the giving nature that they have both on and off ice in a way that spotlights uh, the beauty of our culture um, without changing what is so special about it. Yeah, those, I mean, first of all, that's a, a emotional and, and, and great story to just tell about St. Louis. And I believe it was, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you got to give a little plug to St. Louis here, not only because of the amazing story and their quest for the cup, but also in their engagement w- with fans and with individuals. I seem to remember a couple of seasons ago, I think it was a couple of seasons ago, a, uh, a first time NHL viewer was live tweeting their experience and watching their first game. And I believe uh, the gentleman lived in St. Louis and I believe it oh, was yeah. a blues yes. game. And, and 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 the blues latched on to that and and uh, because the tweets all went viral and so they they latched on and they, they gave the sky like a you know great experience that they, they said oh come on down to the rink and they 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 took them to a game and uh it was just a real cool thing so st louis is doing some interesting stuff there uh shout out to them they're pretty authentic in terms of the their fan engagement but obviously i'm sure a vision that is to be reflected across the entire league so i want to close then with this because these stories, whether it be with one team or whether it be with an entire league, whether it be with a, a local geography or efforts around the world, being at the helm of this brand, clearly you have done a lot to make sure that people are both physically and digitally connected to the NHL wherever they go. And you're being very authentic in that. And it's something that, based on my research and our conversation, I know to be true. But I want to turn to advice because plenty of folks who listen to this show, whether they are fans of the sport or not, are looking to build brands, whether they are sole proprietors, whether they are are parts of large sports organizations, whether they are parts of other Fortune 500 brands, they're just looking to make more meaningful and direct relationships with their consumers, with their fans. And I'm curious from your experience and things that you have done to get to that point, what advice would you have to them to just get started down that path? So my advice would be this, always listen to your fans. And this is really grounded in an entire career in digital, social, and uh, data-driven marketing, where the power of personal, the power of that one-to-one connection is the, the, the one secret sauce that will transform your relationship with your customers or fans uh, for life. And this, I, I feel so blessed to have been part of uh, that tectonic shift in marketing at the very beginning uh, where I was at MySpace, which was the you know epicenter of this shift in marketing. Uh, if you remember, this is before Facebook became available to people outside of universities, before YouTube was acquired by Google. Uh, and for the first time, um, technology enabled consumers to become both creators and distributors of content. And that's where we saw the birth uh, and power of personalization and that 
importance of marketers having a two-way dialogue with their consumers. Uh, no longer was a one-way dialogue from a marketer acceptable in the social contract between brands and consumers. It was now consumers had a voice and brands had the opportunity to listen and to respond. And I brought that with me throughout my career, whether it's from MySpace to Pandora, where it was all about the power of personal, to the NHL. And uh, we uh, continue to listen to our fans, whether it's through social media or through our new fan advisory board, our youth fan advisory board called the Power Players. And it's kind of a fun story how the, the invention of this board came to be. Uh, when I first started at the league, a young girl wrote me a letter. Her name is Sabrina Solomon. And she wrote a letter to me. Uh, she'd read an article in the Wall Street Journal, which was talking, you know, I would talked about how I was trying to reach young fans. And she was 11 years old at the time and said, hey, I've got all these ideas for you. Uh, you know, I'm off school for the summer. Uh, I, I'm, you know, available to work for you if you'd like, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and would love to uh, have the opportunity to help you shape your, you know, your marketing for your young fans. So obviously, um, at 11 years old, we can't hire her, uh, but we did invite her into the league to meet with a bunch of uh, my colleagues in the league, and I'll be darned, she came in with a full-on PowerPoint filled with all kinds of interesting um, ideas for us to reach and connect with young fans. But it was a real aha moment for us because uh, many of these ideas we had we were already doing, but she didn't know that we were doing them. And it was an aha moment because it said to us, wow, we, you know, are in spite of our best efforts, we're not reaching some of these different and younger fan bases in the way that they want to be reached or how they want to be reached or in a way that's resonating with them. So from there, uh, she was our inspiration to uh, organize a fan advisory board of uh, young fans between the ages of 13 to 17. Uh, these power players, we had 1,500 people apply. We narrowed it down through an application and an interview process and have 15 youth advisors. Uh, we meet uh, through video conferencing and talk about a variety of topics uh, that they advise on, everything from you know, TikTok and social media platforms to esports and gaming to their experiences at live games uh, to how they watch, where they watch uh, games on television or OTT or through highlights on social. So we found that this um, ongoing listening process Project to our young fans has helped validate ideas. It's helped I, I discover new ideas and opportunities to connect with fans uh, and our future fans. Well, it's excellent advice, and, and thank you for providing it. Uh, it's been great to learn a little bit more about what uh, can be uh, done from a fan's perspective uh, this upcoming season in the NHL. And, and, and for all the insight there, uh, we're going to go from dropping the puck to dropping the mic here. It's been great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on, Heidi. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you. It's been fun. Thanks. Thank you so much to Heidi Browning from the NHL for joining us on the podcast today. Looking back, I should have separated that into three parts, kind of like three periods, maybe some intermissions in between. Yes, no, uh, maybe next time. 
If you like this show, here's what you got to do. Use LinkedIn. We're pretty LinkedIn heavy as a podcast, generally speaking. And of course, I'm there, Adam Connor. You can connect with me. Tell me what you think about the show. But there's also a page you can follow there too, Authentic Influence Podcast. It's where all of these episodes go. It's where clips from the show go. And I have plenty of plans over what's going to happen to that page over the course of the year. So you might as well follow now so you don't miss anything. Of course, also subscribe wherever you're listening, if it's on your iPhone or on Google or on Spotify. And leave a rating and review if you feel so personally inclined. That public show support is great. I'll be back again after the weekend. The old regulars know this. Back again on Monday with another fantastic episode about how another really interesting brand is mobilizing its masses to become more authentic. And until then, for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.